This morning's scripture is taken from 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10. But the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night, in the which the heavens shall pass away with a great noise, and the elements shall melt with fervent heat. The earth also and the works that are therein shall be burned up. Good morning and welcome to our worship service. We're grateful for your presence. If you are visiting, as always, we want to encourage you to come back. We're grateful for your presence. We are thankful for the opportunity to be together today to worship God and to enjoy fellowship with one another. We're going to be looking at 2 Peter chapter 3, verses 10 through 14 in our study today. And we do appreciate the reading of the scriptures. And we're also grateful to Brother Pete for leading our singing today, for the prayer that has been offered, the opportunity that we've had to partake of the Lord's Supper. Today we're going to be talking about the second coming of Jesus Christ. And so with that theme in mind, we want to look at verses 10 through 14 and consider this great subject. There may be certain events in life that you and I, for whatever reason, miss. There are times when you and I are prevented from attending certain functions. Circumstances may prohibit our attending certain functions or endeavors in this life. But one thing we will not miss is the second coming of Jesus Christ. We will all see that great day, whether alive or in the grave. And so with that in mind, I would invite you to look at 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, beginning. The first thing that I would call your attention to is the surety of his coming. Peter said, but the day of the Lord will come. Not may come, but will come. Jesus is indeed coming again. It would be interesting to go through the New Testament and to note the numerous occasions that are cited relative to the second coming of Jesus Christ. In Acts chapter 1, we read of the ascension of Jesus. The Bible tells us that Jesus, after having ascended, was seated at the right hand of God. The very Jesus that has ascended to heaven will one day descend. And so Peter said, the day of the Lord will come. But I want you to also consider that as we contemplate the certainty of his coming, note if you would the swiftness with which the Son of God will come. In verse 10, Peter said, the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. The Bible speaks of Jesus coming as a thief. Now, sometimes we talk about the time of his coming. There are certain things in this life that you and I, we might have the ability to forecast. Now, I know that 
sometimes those who are described as weathermen get a bad rap because of their failure to properly forecast the weather. But by and large, they can, to some extent, forecast the weather over a period of days. Those in the business world that are described as purchasing agents, they understand the importance of forecasting for the future. They sell a particular product, and they can look at previous sales and then forecast what sales will be in the future, and thus they buy adequate products and have those products in the warehouse so that they might be sold. Well, when it comes to forecasting the second coming of Christ, it's just not possible. Peter said the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 24, But of that day and hour knoweth no man, not the angels of heaven, but my Father only. I'm well aware of the fact that there are any number of individuals in times past that have sought to forecast the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now in Matthew 25 verse 13, Jesus said, Watch therefore, for you know neither the day nor the hour when the Son of Man comes. So if somebody tells you they know when Jesus is coming again, remember what the Lord said. Jesus said, of that day and hour, knows no man, not even the angels of heaven. And so if they do not know when the Son of God is coming, how can mortal man say that he knows? So the time of his coming, he's coming as a thief in the night. When the Apostle Paul wrote to the saints in Thessalonica, he said, Concerning the times and the seasons, brethren, you have no need that I write unto you, for you yourselves know perfectly that the day of the Lord shall come as a thief in the night. When do thieves typically come? When people are least expecting it. And so Jesus is simply saying, as Matthew recorded in Matthew 24, and as Paul states in 1 Thessalonians 5, we need to be on guard. We need to be watchful because he will come as a thief in the night. So we think about the time of his coming, but also note the termination at his coming. Look at verse 10, if you would. Peter said the day of the Lord will come as a thief in the night in which the heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. In verse 11, Peter alludes to the things that will be dissolved. In verse 12, again, Peter speaks of the heavens that will be dissolved being on fire. The elements that will melt with fervent heat. We're talking about the termination of of this physical, material universe. Now there are a lot of people that have the idea that the earth is going to be renovated and that there will be a type of heaven on earth, but that's not what Paul teaches. That's not what Peter teaches. 
The Bible says that the world, as you and I know it, is going to be destroyed. It's going to be done away. We live in a beautiful universe. When I, when I think about the beauty of God's creation, it's somewhat hard to imagine how people could deny the existence of God. But this beautiful creation that God has brought into being, he has also said he will destroy. And so all of the things that you and I are working to accumulate, to build up, to store up, Peter said those things are going to be destroyed. As a matter of fact, Peter said the heavens will pass away with a great noise. The elements will melt with fervent heat. The earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. I think that suggests to us that our focus needs to be on those things which are in heaven and not so much on things which are upon this earth. Do you remember what Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6? Lay not up for yourselves treasures on earth, but rather the exhortation is to lay up for ourselves treasures in heaven. And so, we think about the surety of his coming. But then there is a second thing that I would call your attention to. This has to do with the sobriety of his coming. That is, we're talking about something that's very serious. Again, think about all of the information that we have recorded in the New Testament concerning the second coming of Jesus Christ. Now, we do not know when he's coming. We're not privileged to know the day, the time, the hour, the month of the year. We just know that he is coming. And so in light of his coming, it's very serious business. Because what we want to do is make sure that we are ready, that we anticipate his coming. That is, that we live with the expectation that one day the Son of God will come again. Now Paul said that the Lord will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of the archangel, with the trump of God. And then John tells us in Revelation chapter 1 that Jesus will come with the clouds and every eye shall see him. So we're going to be mindful of the second coming of Christ. But how are we to live in view of his coming? Well, look at verse 11. In verse 11, Peter said, Therefore, since all these things will be dissolved, in other words, since the material universe, as you and I know it, is going to be destroyed or dissolved, in light of the fact that the elements are going to melt with fervent heat, here's the question. What manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Looking for and hastening the coming day of God. In other words, in light of all of these events that are going to transpire, how do you and I need to live? Does that need to impact the way we conduct ourselves upon this earth? I think the answer would be yes. Well, you might ask, in what way? 
How would the second coming of Jesus Christ impact my life? Well, I think a couple of ways. Number one, it means, it means to me that my character needs to count for something. Look again at verse 11. Peter said, since all these things will be dissolved, what manner of persons ought you to be in holy conduct and godliness? Now drop down to verse 14. In verse 14, Peter said, Therefore, beloved, seeing, looking forward to these things, be diligent to be found by him in peace without spot and blameless. My character needs to be such that I'm striving to live a holy and godly life. Does that mean that I'm perfect? That I am flawless in my character? No. I'm a human being. But I am striving, as John said, to walk in the light. Because as I walk in the light, the assurance is that the blood of Christ is availing in my life. In Titus chapter 2, when Paul wrote to Titus, he spoke of the second coming of Christ. And in light of that, he says that the grace of God has appeared bringing salvation to every man instructing us that denying ungodliness and worldly lust, we should live soberly, righteously, and godly in this present world. And we do so looking forward to the great day of the coming of the Son of God. Now let me ask you, are you trying to live a holy, godly life? Are you striving to live in such a way so that when the Son of God comes, you will be found by Him without spot and blameless? But also think about this. In verse 14, Peter said, Be diligent to be found by Him in peace. We are to be people of peace. We talk about our character, how we live. There's been a lot said in times past about how character counts. Well, it does. We are to be a cut above the world. That is, we're to live in such a, in such a way so that our lives reflect the teaching of our Lord. We are to be the salt of the earth, the light of the world. We are to live holy, righteously, and godly in this world. But Peter said we're also to be people of peace. Did you know that Jesus Christ is called the Prince of Peace in Isaiah 9 at verse 6? When the Son of God was born into this world, do you remember the statement that was made by that angelic host when they exclaimed, Peace on earth, goodwill toward man? Jesus, in the Sermon on the Mount, talks about some of the characteristics that are to be incorporated into the lives of those who would become his disciples. And so in chapter 5, he says, blessed are the peacemakers. 
As God's people, we are to be people of peace. Now, first of all, because we've obeyed the gospel of Christ, we enjoy the peace of God. We've been justified by grace, and thus we are said to have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. In Romans 5, verses 1 and 2. We have the peace that passes all understanding. So we are at peace with God the Father through Jesus Christ. But as people who have experienced peace in our spiritual lives, we are to be people of peace. That means that you and I, as God's people, need to be working diligently to be people who promote peace. Now I want you to think about this for a moment. There are not going to be any home wreckers in heaven. In other words, people that take delight in destroying the home, they're not going to be in heaven. Those who delight in bringing disruption and disarray between a husband and wife or between parents and children, they're not going to be in heaven because they are not peacemakers. They are disruptors of peace. From a spiritual setting, those who disrupt the peace and harmony within the church of our Lord are not going to be in heaven. Because Peter said, be diligent to be found by him in peace. It's interesting that in the book of Proverbs in chapter 6, Solomon lists seven things that God abhors or detests. And one of those things is an individual who would sow discord among brethren. You see, it's serious business when you talk about being people of peace. We have peace with God, but we are to be the kind of people that promote peace. As Jesus said, we are to be peacemakers. And so those who would seek to circumvent the peace and the harmony of a local congregation or those that would seek to destroy the unity and the harmony that exists within the church of our Lord universally need to think again. Because one day they as well as all, all of us will stand before the Son of God and give an account of our lives. But then there is a third thing in our text. This has to do with the sublimity of his coming. That is the sweetness of the second coming of Jesus Christ. Look at verse 13. Now, the Apostle Peter has set the picture that Jesus is coming again. He's coming as a thief in the night, that the earth and the works therein are going to be burned up. So in light of all of these things, what about us? What kind of hope does he hold out to those of us that belong to the Lord? Well, look at verse 13. Nevertheless, we, that is the people of God, Christians, according to his promise... Look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. 
First of all, I want you to think about the promise. Peter said, we according to his promise. One of the great attributes of the Lord is he cannot lie. He will not lie. The Bible says that we live in hope of life eternal, which God who cannot lie promised before the world began in Titus chapter 1 at verse 2. The Hebrew writer speaks of God of whom it is said it is impossible for him to lie. So what the Lord through Peter is telling us is that we have assurance for the future. Nevertheless, we according to his promise look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. In Revelation chapter 21, John sees the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven. And as he describes that new Jerusalem, that heavenly city, he is instructed to write these things. The Lord instructs him to write these things down. I think the Lord is simply giving us assurance that when we talk about heaven, we can bank on it. We can believe in it. So there is this promise, but then also this place. Peter said we look for new heavens and a new earth in which righteousness dwells. Only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life will enter this heavenly city according to Revelation chapter 21 verse 27. Nothing that is defiled will enter into this beautiful city. But Peter said, you and I, we can anticipate this heavenly city. Think about the words of Jesus in John 14. He said, you believe in God, believe also in me. In my Father's house are many mansions. If it were not so, I would have told you. But I go to prepare a place for you. And if I go to prepare a place for you, I will come again and receive you unto myself. That where I am, there you may be also. So we can anticipate this heavenly city. This place that John describes as free from death and pain and sorrow, and tears, and crying, according to Revelation 21 at verse 4. So let me ask you this question. In light of the second coming of Jesus Christ, do you have before you the hope of heaven? You see, the Bible says, regarding the new heavens and the new earth, that righteousness dwells there. Those who are involved in right doing, those who have a right relationship with the Lord. What is your relationship to the Lord Jesus Christ? Have you obeyed the gospel of Christ? Was it not the Apostle Peter who instructed people on Pentecost Day to repent and be baptized in the name of Jesus for the remission of sins, and thus they would gain entrance into the kingdom of God, into the church of Christ. The Bible says in Acts 2, verse 47, the Lord added to the church daily those who were being saved. The saved are in the church. 
And those who are in the church who will be saved eternally are faithful to God. Jesus instructed in Revelation chapter 2 at verse 10, Be faithful until death. The promise I will give unto thee, the crown of life. Are you faithful to the Lord? This past week I had the opportunity to participate in a memorial service for a gentleman that had recently passed away due to cancer. And one of the things that was borne out during this memorial service on Thursday of this past week was that after having learned that he had cancer, he he was encouraged by his family members to be restored to the Lord. You see, he had been baptized into Christ, but for whatever reason, he had fallen away from the church of our Lord. He had not been living faithfully. And so encouragement was given unto him to make his life right. This man, because of his physical problems, attended the services of a congregation in the city of Memphis. And on the occasion in which he was restored, came forward in a wheelchair which I think suggests his desire to be right with the Lord. You see, the happy note that I believe I could share with you in being a part of that memorial service is, here was a man that had made himself ready to meet the Lord. Now you and I, we do not know when the Lord is going to come. We do not know when death will intervene. And so what we have to do is live in such a way so that we are always ready. As Peter said, be diligent to be found by him. Are you faithful to the Lord? Have you been baptized into Christ? Are you living for him regularly, daily, weekly? If not, could we pray with you and for you? James said, confess your sins one to another. Pray one for another. We'd be happy to pray with you. And you will be restored back to the Lord. You can enjoy fellowship once again with God and his people. You see, the Bible says Jesus is coming. He's coming as a thief. The question is, will we be ready? Would you come as we stand and sing?